0: I'm Dan I'm Elaine and this is Sublime True Crime If you'd like to skip the preamble and get straight to the crime in question simply fast forward to about six minutes in What have we done this week? Work, 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 work <laughs> Let me rephrase that. What are we looking forward to this weekend? (laughs) I should point out we are recording this on a Friday night rather than a Saturday like we normally do because...
1: (gasps) Tomorrow we're going to see a man about a dog.
0: (laughs) We're going to go and see a man about a dog. We really are.
1: Only it's actually a woman.
0: (laughs) And it is about a dog.
1: But it is about a dog.
0: Yeah, so we have spent the last year discussing, thinking about and then applying for trying to rescue a rescue dog. Yes. And we've finally got one, Nico, that we're going yes. to go and see tomorrow. And he's 160 miles away, bless him. Um, and we're going to go and see him and see what we think of him. And hopefully, if we like him and he likes us, we're going to bring him home.
1: Yes. We're really hoping that we're going to bring him home, since we've already uh, a spaffed a load of money on dog stuff.
0: <laughs> we have. We have. We are being very careful about things in terms of we're taking both teenagers with us to make sure they get on with the dog the dog likes them. We've had the home check via Facebook Messenger video chat. We have. And then we were being very sensible, and then we went and spent about 200 quid on dog stuff, including cages and leads and beds. bowls and beds, and we still got to buy harnesses and food. And, and
1: we haven't even started with toys yet.
0: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my word.
1: I kept going, we, we could get a toy, and Dom's like, no, no, that's just, <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> Let's just see what it, my problem is, because we rescued the cats, and I love the cats to bits, the amount of toys I bought those cats in the first six months, and they barely looked at them. Yeah. So are just let's, not interested. Not I know, interested. I know the dog is going to be different. Dogs are different. But let's just wait.
1: <laughs> yeah, basically Dan doesn't want to spend a fortune on some exotic toy only for the dog to ignore it.
0: Because <laughs> then I'll have to play with it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh. Spent thirty-five quid on this. Give it to me. I'll chase it. <laughs> We've also got a very silent so far. Teen with us. And Teen... You can wave, it's a podcast, they won't see you. You have chosen the worst subject to sit in on, because this week's podcast is horrible.
1: It is horrible.
0: It's horrible. I
1: wouldn't be excited, honestly, I wouldn't be. I read it through and was like, oh, they're just the real shit of humanity, these two.
0: Yeah. Anyway, we have had loads of people contact us since we've come back, so we've done two episodes. This is the third one since we've come back, so thank you very much. Most people have contacted us via Facebook, so a very quick thank you to, and this is in no particular order, Gemma Broad, Haxola, Rachel Innes, Pamela Theory, Erica Suru, Sandy Garrison, Pamela Murphy, Lorna Staves, Elaine Whiteside and mary Ann Jack. All of your comments, um, messages, likes and everything have been well received. Thank you ever so much. Apologies for anyone we've missed out. There have been loads. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. Um, we've got two five-star reviews to read out this week. QWERTY543621 has left us a five-star review. They've titled it, Helps Us Sleep.
0: Can I just say, I think that is a positive. It is. Because my podcast lists, my favourites, are always ones that I can uh, put on and go to sleep with. And there's some really weird and wonderful ones. A lot true crime on there.
1: Yes. They say, great podcast. We can't wait for the next series. Why have you stayed away so long? Busy. Smiley face. <laughs> busy, busy, busy.
0: That's the yeah. reason why. I know
1: it's not even if it would be busy, let's be honest. Come on, pandemic, we've been trapped at home. We've just been...
0: I've been busy with work. I've been work, work, work. Yeah, yeah. And, and work and tired. Probably hung over a lot of the time, that might be. <laughs>
1: Probably. <laughs> I must admit, the amount of booze that we've got through during this pandemic has been shocking.
0: I hate to say this, darling, I didn't drink much before I moved in with you.
1: <laughs> oh my God, I've
0: driven you to alcohol. <laughs> the other five star review we've got this week is from Northern Monkey Six Hundred, who said short and sweet, good to hear that bloke from Lad Baby branching out into crime podcasting winky face. Now Lad Baby is a YouTuber, if you didn't know that. I didn't know that, I had to go and check. I don't think I sound anything like Lad Baby, do
1: I? There's similarities,
0: I think. Brilliant, thanks for that. Okay. Moving <laughs> we'll swiftly on. Ladbaby is a southern. I mean that's that's it. That's Let's it. draw the line.
1: <laughs> well you all sound the same.
0: <laughs> you all sound the same to us. Ay, 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 ay. <gasps> if you would like to leave us a review and we would love it if you left us a review if we're honest you could do that at sublimetruecrime.com forward slash rate
1: we'll do our very best to read out the five star reviews on the podcast where we can
0: we've said this before there is a Patreon site uh, there's nothing going on Patreon we're far too busy, by all means have a look don't sign up for anything, don't give us any money
1: <laughs> I think you opened it up didn't you, did you open it up
0: no I I was going to and oh, forgot. just lazy the fact that this (laughs) this episode was written four five six months ago and that part of the script about patreon is in there and i haven't taken it out and that's just reminded me that i need to go and release the patreon release release the patreon anyway this week we have the case of and i've put we need to put a pithy title
1: (laughs) yeah so i read it and went so it's the case of the pithy title Hmm, interesting. Yeah, there is no pithy title. This is just too depressing to be pithy.
0: It is. We still need a title because I need to put it on all the podcasts when they go out.
1: Which one's the bitch? (laughs) That could be the title based on my first comment when reading it. (laughs) This will make sense to you in a
0: minute. (laughs) Uh, I might go with that. I quite like that. For want of a better phrase, yes. Right, shall we begin? Let's begin. Excellent. Family Guy once made a joke along the lines of... Your best friend as an adult is the guy that a random computer program at college made your roommate. It was probably delivered in a funnier way than that. Probably. The point being that, as a rule, if you look up friendship groups, they're generally made of people you've been forced to spend time with. At school, in college, university, perhaps through work. And let's not forget, you spend more waking hours with your colleagues at work than you do with your family. Very true. It seemed so obvious. Someone said that to me once, and I was like, oh, my God, you do.
1: You do? Well, because yeah. when you're at home, a lot of the time is spent sleeping. Well, it is for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, me too.
1: How fast can I get into my pyjamas? We're <laughs> old
0: people. Yeah. It's because we're old people. Teenager
1: says we're old people.
0: And that is why teenagers are not allowed on any future podcasts. Yes. <clears throat> Stephen Unwin and William John McFall were buddies, having been thrown together by circumstances in life, as most of us have, though their circumstances were that they met in prison.
1: I wonder which one was the bitch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought about it until you said that, and now I'm looking at the photos and I'm picking a side. That's all I'm I, going to say.
1: I think I've watched too many, too much um, Friends when they're gone, about, you know, Phoebe being in prison and how oh, you know you'll be my bitch type thing. No,
0: it's a long time ago. It's because I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> it's you're old. Each of the men had been serving a life sentence, with both men being jailed for a previous offence of murder. Birds of a feather flock together and all that.
1: In the early hours of the 5th of May 1996, William McFall broke into the home of Martha Gilmore in Carrickfergus on the north-east coast of Northern Ireland. The 86-year-old widow was unlucky enough to disturb him as he ransacked her house. Rather than run away from a woman old enough to have seen both world wars, he instead decided to attack her. Striking her in the face, the OAP fell to the floor as McFall rained blows down repeatedly on her head with a hammer. He was found guilty and sentenced on the 11th of April 1997 at Belfast Crown Court after pleading guilty to murder. He was released on licence from that sentence on the 29th of October 2010.
0: Thirteen and a half years for the murder of a defenceless pensioner. It does make me quite sick. It's, it's just not enough, surely. Eighteen months or so after McFall was convicted, Stephen Unwin broke into the house of retired pharmacist John Greenwell, who was aged 73, His property was situated in fence houses, which is on the outskirts of Sunderland. The day that Unwin chose for his burglary? It was the early hours of Christmas Day, 1998. Fuck me, have a day off, mate. Finding Greenwell asleep in bed, Unwin chose to attack him as he slept, delivering multiple blows to the head, and if that wasn't enough, he then stabbed him in the chest. what a shitbag. As to whether the proceeds of the hall were worth the savage killing, we'll let you decide. After the murder, Unwin took away the TV from the home, using a wheelie bin to transport it, before returning to take the video. And that seems to be the total amount that was robbed from the reports I've read. It just boggles the brain, doesn't it? That's disgusting. Christmas Day as well. I know. In an effort to hide his tracks, he then set three separate fires throughout the house, including one next to the murder victim's body. Because, of course, it's very common for fires to start at three separate areas. The charred body of the victim was found by firefighters. Unwin, no doubt thanks to being a criminal mastermind, was arrested before the end of the day, with the stolen items found in the home he shared with his mother.
1: Apparently Unwin had been stopped by police as he carried the video from the house, and although he managed to convince officers that it was his and he was returning from a friend's house, only moments later the same officer spotted smoke coming from the recently burgled house. What a prick. On the 29th of October 1999 at Newcastle Crown Court, Stephen Unwin pleaded guilty to murder and was given a life sentence. He was released on licence on the 20th of December 2012.
0: Thirteen years. <sighs> After his release, Stephen Unwin set up his own property maintenance business and was living in St Oswald's Terrace, Shiny Row, which is to the south of Sunderland, which, for non-UKers, is in the north-east of England. Despite living 140 miles away in Blackpool on the opposite side of the country, William McFaul was helping Stephen Unwin in his business, with the latter employing his former jailmate. I think I've covered this off before on the podcast, but I do have some sympathy for ex-cons. Regardless of the nature of the crime, even complete shit country ones like murdering OAPs on Christmas Day, if somebody has been tried and convicted and then served their sentence, they should be free to live as normal a life in society as possible. And yes, That can be a galling stance to have when it feels that sentences are too short or crimes too horrific, but there you go. As two ex-murderers, I can't believe it would have been easy for either Unwin or McFall to get gainful employment, so their decisions go self-employed. Makes sense. My stance above changes, though, with the fact that the pair hadn't kept their noses clean after being released.
1: Not even close. No. In the five years following his release, police logged 26 incidents involving Unwin. Detective Inspector Edward Small revealed in court that one of those incidents related to a complaint from a woman that on July the 2nd, 2017, Unwin had sent her a Facebook message threatening to, quote, smash her jaw in, end quote, and take turns with an accomplice to rape her. Oh. The complainant mentioned to officers that Unwin had served prison time for murder, but Mr Small said she had not chosen to take the incident any further.
0: That's ridiculous, isn't it?
1: I can understand it. To be honest, he, Yeah. You take it further, nothing happens, he gets off, and then he comes after you, for definite.
0: It's just disgusting and out of order that nothing has happened in terms of stopping him. I can fully understand why you wouldn't want to pass on him.
1: It's why so many women don't press charges for rape. It's Mm. just like the repercussions, it's just not worth it.
0: Another report revealed that Unwin had allegedly threatened to assault a teenager. And stepping to one side for a second, in 2019, the police discussed the 26 incidents In a letter to the coroner's office. Side note, I think we can safely assume that redacted is unwin in this case. Quote, whilst they have been referred to as items of intelligence, some of them are simply a record of useful information, as opposed to intelligence proper. Nice wording there. (laughs) 17 of the items recorded in redacted's record between the 8th of December 2012 and the 4th of February 2013 relate solely to his release on temporary license. These contain information such as his release address, employment and details of his probation officer. The remaining nine items recorded between the 21st of October 2013 and the 14th of November 2016 can properly be considered as intelligence. They relate to seven incidents or occurrences, not nine, due to the fact that information regarding to two of the incidents are recorded over two pages. End quote. So just seven incidents then, in three years. That's one every six months. And yet no one keeps a proper eye on the guy.
1: Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It may come as no surprise that given this lack of action from the police, Unwin continued to commit crime. His then-girlfriend, Rachel Edmondson, later told The Mirror in an interview, quote, When Stephen first came out of prison, he had to go to the meetings with the probation service once a week. I went along with him a number of times and all the probation worker was interested in was whether he was working and whether his life at home was settled. End quote. She also revealed that no spot checks were ever carried out at home and that they were never visited by the probation service. She went on to say, quote, he was never asked who he was associating with and I'm certain they had no idea he was with John McFall on a daily basis. They were living together while both were on life licence and no one in authority had a clue, end quote. I mean, that's a massive failing at the probation service not to have any idea who they were even living with. Yeah. And not to do even occasional house visits, just to check where they were living.
0: Yeah, you'd seen they be checking all over that, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, I suppose it's another underfunded resource.
0: Yeah. The couple had a daughter together, they split up in May 2017 after five years together when Rachel discovered Unwin had been trying to meet up with other women. In April 2017, Unwin was approached by a woman called, and I apologise in advance for my pronunciation of this, Gwen Guen, about some possible building work want to look up her name Q-U-Y-E-N N-G-U-Y-E-N They met up that same month when he had been asked to show her around a rental property in Sunderland. QN was described as, quote, a young, healthy and lively woman, a mother of two young children and much loved by her family both here and in Vietnam, end quote. If you look her up online she can also be described as stunning. And if the fact that we're talking about her in a past tense has escaped your notice then, spoiler alert, This episode doesn't
1: end well for QN. QN came to the UK from Vietnam in 2010 and studied business at University in London. By 2017, aged just 28, she worked renting property to other Vietnamese people. She lived in Killingworth with her son and her sister, with whom she co-owned a nail salon in nearby Berkeley. She met Unwin, who worked for landlords maintaining properties, while she was working in her role renting out accommodation. By July or August 2017, both Unwin and McFall were involved in stealing substantial cannabis crops as well as actively looking to get guns in order to build their criminal activities. Hardly the behaviour of honest businessmen, although they seemingly kept active with building work and appeared keen to work for QN.
0: But if they were keeping up the pretense of being honest businessmen to people's faces, they were happy to go online with video footage on social media showing McFall brandishing both a gun and a chainsaw. As July turned into August, the two criminal buddies sent each other lurid sexual content via text, something that ramped up in the days immediately before the 14th of August.
1: Can I stop you there? I've got some really good, really close friends. We do not send each other loads of sexual content via text. Is that something that men do?
0: I suppose it depends what the lurid sexual content is. I I can't say that I do particularly. I know of lads that do for each other, but... I don't know the context of it. It just Seems
1: frankly bizarre.
0: The best example I can give you is if you go on that forum that you don't like, <laughs> which is quite misogynistic. <laughs> there's probably a lot of that going on there,
1: right? So it, it's lard,
0: lard behaviour. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, Joanne carried on with life without knowing the lurid details behind the two men. She spent the day of 14th of August working at the nail salon and then went out to view properties. Later that evening, she had arranged to visit Stephen Unwin at his home. Unwin had invited her over on the pretext of visiting a property that he thought she may be interested in. Unbeknown to her, William McFall was also going to be there, because let's be honest, you can't have Tweedle done without Tweedle Dee, for fuck's sake. QN could have had no idea what horrors awaited her.
1: The pair of criminals had just one intent – Highlighted by a text that McFall sent to Unwin at 6pm while they were waiting in the house. It simply read, quote, We raping the chink, XXXX, X, X, X. end quote. Unwin replied to the text immediately, simply telling his accomplice to delete, quote, Daft shite like that, end quote, from
0: his phone. Quite why you send a text like that when you're in the same house is beyond me. Especially as Curen didn't get there for another 90 minutes. It's not as if these two men didn't have ample time to talk to each other. <laughs>
1: I think brains were their strong point. No. Whether rape was their main intention, we will never know, although court records reveal that they intended to subject QN to an attack with a combination of both sexual and financial motives. QN arrived at the house at around 7.30pm, with CCTV footage showing her coming into the back of Unwin's home, having driven and parked her Audi nearby. Just before Unwin let her in, he can be seen gesturing to McFall to stay out of sight. It was the last time that QN was seen alive by anyone, except the two men.
0: Inside, QN was quickly attacked in an effort to extract information from her. The attack culminated in her being asphyxiated, either by having a pillow or a plastic bag placed over her head. Both men participated. During the attack, Stephen Owen raped QN, as well as subjecting her to the humiliation of using a toy lightsaber, which he placed between her legs. DNA evidence also proved that a gun owned by McFall was used at some point during the ordeal but it couldn't determine whether it was sexual purposes or used to hit her as the evidence was consistent with both. The cruel pair also filled a syringe with whiskey and injected her with it and at some point during the attack, QN's bank cards were taken from her and her PIN number was extracted.
1: At 9.40pm Unwin left McFall and QN alone in the house as he drove to the local co-op and used the car to withdraw £500 from her account. McFall made no attempt to help QN at this time, and neither called for help or made his own escape, proof that he was fully involved. About 30 minutes after getting back from the co-op, McFall sent a text message to Unwin asking him to come into the house from the garage. Unwin did so immediately, and the two men started to tidy up the house as QN lay incapacitated. At around 10.30pm as QN remained tied up, the two men casually cooked and ate a curry.
0: All that, and then you think, oh, I'm hungry. It just
1: makes me sick.
0: Finally, around 11 o'clock, the criminals leapt into action in an effort to dispose of QN. Unwin left the house by the back door and brought QN's Audi closer to the house. At 11.35pm, Stephen Unwin can be seen on CCTV carrying QN's body, covered in a dust sheet, out toward the car with the help of McFall. Two big, strong builders who need both of them to carry the body of an eight-stone woman. Fucking pathetic. I don't even know why that makes me so angry. Quankers. Mm-hmm. Bundling the body onto the back seat of the car, they then drove from St Oswald's Terrace to a secluded track in the Philadelphia area of House and the Spring by some allotments. They then covered the car and the body in petrol and set it alight. Horrifically, when they started the fire, QM was still alive, albeit just. She didn't stand a chance, and we can only hope her death was mercifully short. Unwin and McFall then calmly walked back to St Oswald's Terrace. Less than five minutes later, they got into Unwin's car and drove to a nearby Nisa store. During the journey, still less than an hour since they killed QN, McFall took a selfie of the two men in the front of the car, looking relaxed, with McFall smiling, and they sent it to his girlfriend.
1: In the meantime, the fire brigade had been alerted of a burning car near the allotment, and within half an hour of the fire starting, they'd arrived on the site. When they extinguished the fire, they found the deeply charged remains of a body on the back seat. The fire had been so fierce that QN could only be identified by her dental records. As for the two criminals, when they got to the store, Unwin used QN's bank cards to make more
0: withdrawals at the cash point. I assume it's the same worldwide, but in the UK, we're restricted to how much we can take from a cash point at any one time. So it's normally £250 or £300 per card per day. And the fact he's drawing out more money after getting £500 a few hours earlier probably means that it was past midnight and he could withdraw the full day limit again for each card.
1: Yes. The pair then drove back to St Oswald's Terrace, tidied up and went to bed. The following day, both Unwin and McFall carried on as if nothing had happened. CCTV footage from various locations in the area shows the pair of them going into shops as well as looking relaxed at a pub. The net was closing in on them fast, though. Thanks to the bank cards being used, police quickly identified Stephen Unwin as a suspect.
0: And again, and I assume this is the same worldwide, but in the UK, which apparently has the most CCTV cameras per square foot in the world, there are cameras at just about every cash point. And for those in the UK that aren't sure of that, next time you use an ATM, look for the tiny covered holes in the machine and you'll see the camera lens. Or look at the mirrored patch that appears on the outside of the machines and there's a camera hidden behind that. They're everywhere. Mm. The police arrested Armin later that evening on suspicion of murder. William McFool was arrested shortly after. At Newcastle Crown Court, the judge, Mr Justice Morris, heard it summed up as such. Quote, the murder of Miss Guen was premeditated. It involved sexual motivation and sadistic conduct as evidenced by the use of the gun and the lightsaber. It was murder conducted for gain. Further aggravated factors were that Miss Guen was vulnerable, given her size and build, when confronted by two men. The text messages and the motion to go back into the house attested a significant planning and premeditation. I find that she endured great physical and mental suffering in the course of her four-hour ordeal prior to her death. Finally, her body was virtually destroyed in the fire. Additionally, this was all conducted against a background of criminal enterprise, involving stealing highly valuable cannabis crops the use of violence and attempts to procure guns, End quote. The judge went on to say that he did not believe that the offence was racially motivated.
1: It's like the, they think they're going to become gangsters. All of this, you know, stealing cannabis crops and trying to get hold of guns and posing with chainsaws. Oh. Oh, honestly. Qen's sister, Kuna, was present throughout the trial and was commended by the judge for the enormous courage she showed especially in light of Unwin and McFall's refusal to accept responsibility for their crimes. She read out a victim statement in court where she spoke of her anger and grief and that of Cuen's children, her nieces and her parents. As he sentenced each man...
0: I've got to interrupt you here. I used the word man extremely fucking loosely when I wrote this.
1: The judge summed up, quote, Stephen Unwin, you are a calculating, manipulative and ruthless killer. William John McFall, you are an extremely violent man. Capable of monstrous behaviour. McFaul shouted back angrily from the dock, quote, That's your personal opinion. End quote. It's
0: my personal opinion too, you fucking scumbag.
1: I don't think many people would disagree with the judge, to be fair. Oh.
0: The judge went on to finish quote, You have both murdered before. On this occasion, you did so in a cold blooded and callous manner, having deliberately lulled your victim into a trap. She suffered an unimaginable ordeal. Both during and after that ordeal, the two of you casually went about your everyday tasks, chillingly devoid of any human empathy, end quote. A report by Derek Winter, Senior Coroner for the City of Sunderland on 12th of June 2019, revealed that there were shortcomings from the police and probation services around the case. Although redacted, we can assume again he is talking about Unwin. Quote, On the evidence, there were multiple occasions when information about redacted, could and should have been shared between the police and probation, and for him to be challenged in a more meaningful way than he was. Kuen's sister, Kuen Guen, said, My late sister was a very kind, beautiful girl, a great daughter, and a caring mother with a warm heart. She also revealed the heartbreaking news that Kuen's son often asks if she can bring him to heaven so that he can be reunited with his mother. And that is the case of two murdering scumbags. What are your thoughts? It's a fucking horrible case to write up.
1: Yeah. There's um, I mean obviously true crime a lot yep. of grim stuff happens but I don't luring somebody to their death in the way that they did it just seems particularly callous.
0: The frustrating thing for me is they've both murdered before callously killing pensioners. Yeah. Pretty Can- much in their sleep.
1: Yeah, completely vulnerable again. It's, yes. you know, the complete is going after these really
0: vulnerable people. And, I mean, to attack somebody who was asleep. Oh. But it just... I and mean, then two burly builders, and it, picking on her and she's eight stone. I know. Nothing to her. Absolutely disgusting. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts. It is a harrowing case this week. You can email us, dan at sublime or elaine at sublime com.
1: Or you can reach us via the Facebook page.
0: Just search for Sublime True Crime.
1: And if you're enjoying the series, please leave us a review.
0: Five-star review would be as welcome as a COVID-19 vaccine, please. It's,
1: it's coming. It's coming. As it helps us to reach more people. And if you want to leave us a review, you can do it at...
0: SublimeTrueCrime.com forward slash rate.
1: Love how you read that out so well.
0: Thank you very much. I love how you avoid reading it out altogether. <laughs> even when we're talking with friends about the podcast you can't say it which is amazing we will do our best to read out the five star reviews on the podcast where we can Um, if you could think of any cases you'd like us to cover pop onto the Facebook group let us know please also pop onto the Facebook group leave us some comments say hello we'll try and say hello back and if you get the chance to leave us a review please do so we love them
1: but we just love hearing your chat as well to be fair we like hearing
0: your comments about, about the cases yes Uh, We have got a couple of listener suggestions (laughs) coming up soon. They just need finalizing. But that's it for us. Until next time, goodbye.
1: Goodbye.